This show is part of the Headstuff Podcast Network. From the Headstuff Podcast Network and Wikimania 2022, welcome to The World According to Wikipedia, the podcast that explores the weird, wonderful and baffling world of Wikipedia, the people who write it and what makes them tick. With me, Fanula. And me, Rebecca. And in this episode, we are live at Wikimania 2022, which is very exciting. Um, so, yay. And we have a guest. We do. We do. <laughs> Derek, do you want to introduce yourself? I'm Derek O'Shea. Um, I, I run the Irish for Twitter account and I wrote the book Motherfucker Dispatches of Not So Dead Language. And I used to present the Motherfucker podcast on Headstuff Podcast Network uh, for former stable mates with, uh, with the world according to Wikimedia. So I'm very delighted to be here. And an old hand, I believe, at live streams when you had um, <laughs> Patreon and other things. So, yes. Uh, yeah. Well, so, we, I, I'm not sure if I ever got completely used to it. I think you're, you're, you're still learning. It's one of those things that takes a moment to learn and a long, long time to master. So this is a little bit different from our usual podcast. We're going to mix up the format a little bit because we have Derek with us for the entire show um, rather than me going off and you know having a, a Zoom huddle with one Wikimedian of my choice and then I deliver the interview back to Fanula. Not too long, not too short, just right, like a Goldilocks interview. Yeah. So this is a little bit different, so we're, we're mixing it up. So if you have any questions uh, for Derek, some of you who attended Celtic Knot in 2020 might be familiar with um, Huna's work already. But equally, if you have any questions for us about the podcast or about podcasting in general, uh, do add them to the chat. I'm also keeping an eye on the Etherpad as well. And I'm attempting also to keep another eye, an additional eye on our time to make sure that we don't we don't rush ourselves or go too far over. This is, as I said, our very first live episode. So a little bit of a, a learning curve uh, for both myself and Fanula, a little bit of experimentation, but we're very excited uh, to be part of Wikimania. And also, as we said, our, 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 our Irish Twitter celebrity, Derek, in the room as well. Very generous of you. Oh, yes. Yeah. Well, it's your fault we have a podcast. So <laughs> you know, we have to make you work for it at some point. True. Yes. Way back in the annals of time, Derek said to Rebecca, uh, you should do a podcast, and and then she wrote me in. So yeah, yeah, it's, it's a it's a dangerous conversation though when people just meet up and they start suggesting podcast ideas to each other, and uh, when they <laughs> it's a, yes. it opens a opens a terrifying trap door. <laughs> but I did think, and, and I'm still I'm still glad to think so uh, that I um I I I, I just thought that something the idea of wikipedia is so scalable in addition to having the, the community community of wikimedians around the world and people who are curious about getting into it and having having that as a first step for people want to try that as well as the fact that wikipedia is ultimately about everything i mean is it nothing is off topic in the conversation with wikipedia as we've seen and um very true and yeah jan our previous guest jan and ali has just in the tech and the chat has said that he did a session earlier today about podcasting and he did a lightning talk specifically about podcasting in your own language as well so mm-hmm. wikipodden uh which is the podcast that he does so it doesn't you know much like with wikipedia english does not have to dominate um um all times and i'm delighted that i've been able to talk to lots of people with whom the projects that they engage with or the work that they do isn't mm-hmm. just about the English language. Yeah. Um, and of course, you know, you've always had an interest, Derek, in in the Irish language. Yes, especially. Uh, so, and it was something, I mean, when I started doing a podcast about, about the Irish language, and 
I mean, there was obviously there's a there's a wealth broadcast in, in Irish and which is accessible for people with, with a high standard of Irish, which is which is great. And there should be community radio for Irish speaking communities as well as um things for learners. But there's also, I guess I was aware of that something like the Irish language touches so many things like technology, like law, like um like kind of um like liter- literature and 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 people's names, baby names. There's so many things that can be so I thought that the yeah, having Irish language as, a, as the central theme of a general interest show, it became like a keyhole to which you saw the world. And that's kind of shows I liked, like um, like Reply All and 99% Invisible took a similar attitude to architecture or through technology. And they found it basically, you could do a podcast for everything when your your central theme is a, is a keyhole to which you can see the world. And that's that's yeah. how I took the, the Irish language approach for Motherfucker. It did pretty well. I was very, I was very happy with that. The, um, the positive response and the very nice things he said and uh, unfortunately gave me the bad habit of t- telling other people they should definitely start their own podcasts. <laughs> but I, I will say from my point of view because I'm not involved in Wikipedia uh, I am a novice uh, not even a novice I think I've edited a few lists like I've, I've, I've maybe put commas and things like that in what I found very interesting about about Wikipedia uh, about this particular podcast is I've learned so much about the world through through the interviews that Rebecca is doing with people with the with the contributors to Wikipedia around the world, which I find particularly fascinating. Like there is every every person that she's interviewed has been excellent. And, I, and I've I've just been I've been glued to world world according, according to Wikipedia since it started. Uh, I just think it's such a, it's a phenomenal idea. You covered so many fascinating things which I have never thought about. Wikipedia is the classic example of something that's worth that people take for granted. People refer to it every day, and just just assume it's there and don't realize the amount of uh, of uh, worker bees going on background, and it's, it's fascinating to find out more about that. From my point of view, like I've I've enjoyed uh, sort of speaking on from what Dark was saying, like things like the medical editing of Wikipedia, particularly around the early days of COVID nineteen, that was fascinating to me because it didn't even occur to me until we had the interview that there would be particular things that we needed that were needed care that needed to be taken over making sure that everything that's on Wikipedia is correct and not prone to misinformation. Um, I, I learned so much and, and I trust Wikipedia a lot more, to be honest with you now, mm. that I know exactly how much care and attention goes into it. I think when you've added a few pages, you realise how scrupulous the kind of volunteer run community actually is about of making sure that there is no um, misinformation. <laughs> it's a, yeah. it's a, it, can, it can be a little disheartening when you kind of when you believe that yes, I believe that's correcting I refer to a, a source and that and it gets immediately shut down. But that's part of the experience, yeah. part of the fun. And I was just like, I, I didn't consider this to be misinformation, but yes, I didn't, didn't realize the Irish Times is an unreliable source. But uh, <laughs> I kid, I kid, highly reliable source. Yeah, mm. that's a can of worms right there. Mm. But obviously, there, there are obviously some some papers and stuff, and obviously, there's you know, yes, something might be a respectable uh, publication, but the it might be an opinion column or something like that, or you know, and these, these are things you learn as you go along. Well, that's a very good, um, beautiful segue. And it's always good when you point out a segue, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Makes it even yeah. better. Um, mm-hmm. For we always have a, um, a a section on our podcast about um, rules, and of course, most Wikipedians know technically there are no rules. We have our five pillars. <laughs> yes. Uh, Lots of guidelines and policies and writing guides and style guides and everything else. Um, and what I'd like to, if there's anybody in the chat that has a particular one that is their favourite, uh, one that they think is particularly obtuse or particularly funny or particularly useful. You know, one of my favourites is, is WP Not, which is, you know, what Wikipedia is not. And we've covered that before. Mm-hmm. So it's not a new source. It's not a manual. It's not a, uh, it's not trying to be anything 
anything other than an encyclopedia. So if anybody wants to add one, please do. I did task poor old Derek didn't have time to, to look up his favourite one, but I think that's an interesting one, like thinking about, we think about those acronyms, like the WP not and, and um, all those and GNG for uh, kind of you know good notability guidelines and things like that. But there's nuance in all of them. Like they're not, and that's why there are guidelines and not strict rules because mm. there's they're always open to interpretation and there's always a case to be made. So even if you have an opinion piece from the Irish Times, perhaps if you're writing about that particular person and their particular stance on something, mm. then if they have a Wikipedia article, perhaps it should be added. So there's always yeah. a little bit of wiggle room there. Have have there been any other things? So you've started editing, I think, in the past. So yeah, I would have started editing some time back. And then initially I found that the that the actual app, the beta app on on the on Android phone is really good in terms of being as suggesting edits that requires captions and photographs and tagging and things like that. And, and, and I found that was like an easy way of um, slightly more productive sense of, of being on the bus than maybe playing Angry Birds and things like that. Mm-hmm. And uh, you got a certain sense of satisfaction. Then after feeling yes, that maybe I've made a thousand edits or so, then if I could stick my toe into maybe uh, trying adding a paragraph to an article or something like that. And it would have gone from there. And I thought, yes, there's... um. There are certain gaps uh, in, in in certain things which I felt I had a reasonable knowledge of, and having a subscription to certain um, certain newspapers and the Irish Newspaper Archive and the British Newspaper Archive, which I would use for in my research, for my writing, I was in a position to actually look up things, um, which maybe had uh, where were those gaps before, where you might, might be able to find an actual an article from the time or some, or, or a, a reference maybe that was missing. I was, I was able to add references where citations were needed and things like that. And yes, there was satisfaction before going on to actually doing something as drastic as starting my own article and that that was an adventure and you know things people are supportive people did leave little uh, bowl of strawberries and things like that in my um in as, as in my replies which I wasn't expecting I, I, I don't know the I was still learning the etiquette oh don't template anyone don't template anyone. yes I, 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 I was still learning the etiquette of kind of, of how Wikimedians um refer to each other for, as compared to say social media or some, some other way but people um, uh, people do communicate online so that, that was a learning experience too there's a uh, kind of a culture of, th- of thanking people and acknowledging kind of and constructive criticism and things like that which is wonderful it was one of the things i really like about wikipedia that i found out is that there are these little things that you give to people you know the the cute the cute side of wikipedia like as you said the bowl of strawberries or things like that you know like the, the that's mm-hmm. nice you know acknowledgements they're good it has been shown that the, even the simple thank button yeah. does mm-hmm. encourage people to stick around because they, yeah. a bit like, you know, I suppose having a, a, a Twitter or, or a Twitch stream or whatever it is that you feel perhaps very few people are paying attention to you. Actually, somebody going and taking the time to say thank you for doing a particular thing, especially if it's on a low, you know, kind of a low traffic article. So, you know, an Irish backwater. You know, I've been surprised at the things that I've been thanked for um, over the years. Mm. Yeah, it does. And it's, it's especially if it, it would, could be possible without that kind of culture of, uh, of niceness. You might find the only time you interact with anybody would be somebody correcting or or reversing you kind know, of a change you made, and that would be very disheartening. So it's nice to actually get that you know somebody noticing that you're new and kind of suggesting things and sense. and then this as well as the uh, of the Wiki Ireland project and things like that. Seeing that there's a, a list of stubs that just need to be fixed, and that somebody that's um it's a great gateway in for someone who's not sure where to start. A good shout out to the the fellow um, editors of Wikipedia Ireland, the Wiki Project. Um, mm-hmm. They're doing a huge amount of work. There's about three or four of them 
re-rating. All, they're going through all of the articles tagged as being related to Ireland and they're re-rating them to make sure that that stub start C upwards is correct. We've had two really interesting um, suggestions in the chat. So from Jan, it was like a systematic bias is a good reminder and even uh, better on language versions strongly connected to one country. So yeah, that there are biases, you know, that appear in literature that, that are then mirrored. So a lot of the criticism that Wikipedia gets is it's not necessarily inherent to Wikipedia. It's reflecting the world back onto itself and to, to remind ourselves yeah. of that. So there's so much fixing we can do with what material mm. we have. But um, yeah, don't template anyone. So it's that thing. It's like the acronym thing of like barraging a brand new editor with a load of acronyms, a load of templates, a load, a load of basically, mm. um, you know, I suppose, jargon, mm. uh, for want of a better word, which mm. is just off-putting. It's yes. not friendly. It's not welcoming. That really, it's that humanity piece that we've been talking about that's really important. Yeah. Mm. Good. So, so it's, uh, yeah, and I, I think when, the, when I first thought that there was that, that there was a gap in the market for a, a Wikipedia-related podcast, probably was when Claire Murray came onto the show. It was the first time, one of what we've done a several, a number of um Wikipedia. We had done a number of Wikipedia adjacent uh, episodes, but that was uh, Claire's one about Wikipedia was the first one with the, the controversial V. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yes, indeed. Oh, those are, are highly controversial V in, in the Irish language. It's it's strange how all these kind of running gags turned up in the podcast, and people kind of still kind of repeat them. But then they obviously they they filled a need between the letter V and PEG and things like that. We found um, it's because there's a there's a whole world of online of offline people who don't realize that these things are are a part of um, Irish internet humor. But but yes, the Vicar page was um, I think because I was doing a live show in London and Claire was going to be there, and she basically says, you know, we should you should definitely do an episode on this. And I hadn't really given Vicar page any thought up to that point, and I didn't realize it was all this whole. That there was, there was so much to it, which I hadn't even considered before, and the actual and the idea that yes, Wikipedia is the first place people go for things, and having an actual a corpus of Irish language content there is so important for people who are you know if you want to look up something about climate change in Irish, you you should be able to go to a climate change related page and on the page, and it should be there, and that's why it's so important that it's supported and it's it's brought to attention that there are people who I mean for for Irish speakers online who want to uh, you know. Mm help in a positive way and that's something that anyone can do or anyone anyone with, 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 the, with some Irish can do. For context it's, on that, at this point, when, when you had that conversation yes. with Claire, you'd written a book about coming back mm-hmm. to Irish. You'd started a podcast yeah. about, mm-hmm. I suppose, you know, living through Irish or having access to Irish. And it was only then mm-hmm. that you were like, hmm, online encyclopedia. That is that is also perhaps a useful thing. Exactly. Yes. And it's, it's I mean, um, it's, it's something I suppose that I was surprised at how... Um, I guess I was surprised at how little how it was wasn't being as widely championed or um, not, not compared to I suppose there was I mean there's a, there's a certain amount of Irish language publications and which are and people people do know each other to a, to a bit there's a, there's only a few degrees of separation but I just felt that there was um, if if more people knew about this more people participated in it and um, I believe that maybe that there has been a little a little bump I'm not sure that, how measurable these things are but. I'd like to think there's been a little bit of a bump. And it was great after that, um, a few months after that, maybe even a year or so, to have Gabriel Beecham on. Yes. So this is a plug yes. for the archives of Mother Folklore. So for those who don't know, Gabriel Beecham, hmm. he, he was one of the founders or the, seen as the founder. Gabriel Beecham, yes, of, of, is arguably the founder of Wikipage. And, uh, yeah, and he did it. Like, I mean, it's amazing ridiculously accomplished or, um, people. And like so many people who are, who are that, that brilliant, he's... Um, 
enragingly modest about how, how very good he is, how smart he is, the fact that for the crack he created kind of, um, the, the Irish language Wikipedia uh, while he was like, like a teenager in school, kind of waiting for his mom to come home or something. Wow. Uh, just messing around the computer. And and that's basically, and that's, <laughs> it all emerged from there, I think. And so it's, um, and he's a doctor now as well. So as, as everything else, he's worked on the Irish language kind of content and Duolingo uh, as well as being, um, as well as fighting COVID and doing all those things. So just to show you a remarkable man. And it was, it was just great to be able to bring more people's attention to that. That uh, was that, that it was that these, some, somebody starts these things, somebody takes the first step and, and we all take them if the community can join in them amazing things can happen so it's um i mean it's because you think we, and i suppose i was inevitably going to compare the case to other minority languages particularly european minority languages to see if i mean without without wanting to get into it into try comparisons about which one's bigger or, or things like that but it was um i thought that given how i mean how i in some ways people like a lot of people in in speaking other minority languages would consider Irish to be a role model in terms of how widely spoken it is and in Ireland how well supported it is by the state. But then I still found that there was some a surprise at which minority languages had larger kind of um bodies of articles mm. in Wikipedia. I think Breton was uh in France was 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 much bigger than expected considering that it would be um it, it, I understand it feels quite imperiled or the, the Russian speakers consider it to be in a, in a state of peril. I don't think there's any, um, I don't believe there's any compulsion to teach Breton at schools to the same extent there isn't like an Irish or doesn't have that. Uh, so I, that, that, so it, was, it was interesting to see that, how, how something that compares. Fireside is the Irish storytelling podcast. Every week you'll hear tales of mythic Irish gods, Arthurian knights or Norse Vikings. There is folklore from Ireland and around the world, and even historical legends like Brian Boru and Grainne Whale. Whether from poetry or prose, lyric or legend, if there is a good story at the heart of it, you'll find it here. I'm Kevin C. Olihan. I'm your host and fireside bard. With over 150 episodes and rising, there has never been a better time to join us by the fireside. Of course, our interpreters, bless them, are coming up against the phenomena of Irish people talking very fast. And yeah. we apologise uh, for that wholeheartedly. Yes. Um, it's one of the things that's happened to me at every single, I think, uh, international Wikimedia account uh, conference that I've attended, is that it usually takes me about a day to slow down and stop using quite as many Irish um, idioms and turns of phrase that just tend to for the rest of the world yes. are a little bit baffling. So thank you so much for that reminder. I appreciate that. Um, it's, it's interesting when you talk about, because one of the reasons that obviously we, we brought you in for, for the Celtic Knot conference in 2020 and, and the Breton community have been an active, um, uh, active contributors mm-hmm. to that since the beginning of it in, in Edinburgh in uh, 2017. Um, and you were reflecting kind of on perhaps kind of the, and you kind of alluded to it there, like the politics of language and, and how, you know, some languages do definitely feel like they are, and it has happened all around the world where they have been actively suppressed or kind of benignly neglected, probably in the in the nicer mm-hmm. in the nicer ways. Um, and that you know the power of Wikipedia's 
for people who are active within those languages to kind of circumvent or, you know, kind of, um, I suppose, move away mm. from the usual systems of power that meant that languages got got priority or got resources or or whatever it is. And do you think that even in a context like Ireland, that it's still very important mm. to have that there? Yeah, I think, I mean, it, it is. And it is interesting how, so I'm going to talk very slowly now, um, it, it is, I suppose, certain minority languages are maybe adjacent to one very large language. And then often it, it, it seems sometimes that a minority language that's adjacent to two or more languages and maybe has a better chance of survival because it's not being pressed in the same direction. I think because you've got a Basque region in France and a Basque region in Spain, it, maybe it's, uh, it's not, the Basque language isn't as, um, it doesn't doesn't have a single kind of point of threat which is pushing it. Whereas, if you consider maybe because in a, at the parallel of the Irish language is that everyone who speaks Irish also speaks English, and if, if people are struggling with their Irish or if one person's Irish is better than the others, there's a the danger is they will fall in back into English to speak English instead. Mm. Whereas that may not necessarily be the case with certain other minority languages like the one in Luxembourg, Luxembourgish. And things like that, where you might find, say, it, it has it has the advantage of being something unifying, and you might find there's um there are certain certain languages which have that advantage, and then there's certain languages which have a relationship to the state, like the Flemish, and where uh, it, it, it maybe it, it gives where speakers have um where speaking the language gives you access to a certain um certain certain professionals. Uh, a friend of mine in Belgium was talking about how he recently applied for a mortgage in a Flemish bank and he doesn't know what he signed. Oh. They, they, did not, uh, they did not entertain his, his uh, uh, requirement his for English. Speak English. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's, I mean, it, he's in a different country. <laughs> There's no need to, you know. Mm, it's true. Yeah. And so yeah, I suppose the idea, we were very far from having a, an all-Irish language bank in Ireland. Yeah. And I think that would, it, it's interesting, it surprises some international people, because a lot of international people, mm. when they think that Irish has, or Ireland has its own language, then of course, then that's the, the yeah. lingua franca. And that's that's the um, that's the premise of a very famous film that a lot of Irish students now have to study, um, mm. which yeah. is the premise of which is that, you know, somebody who wants to emigrate to Ireland uh, learns yes. Irish to then move here and then discovers that nobody actually mm. speaks it uh, until he bumps into somebody in, in, in a... Uh, and I will find the link, the Wikipedia article to the to the um, movie, and we'll put it in the. Yu Ming is Adam Dum. Yu Ming is Adam Dum. That's it. Which is my name is yeah. uh, Yu Ming, and he he discovers um, somebody. Some people will recognise some of the actors that then appear from a lot yeah. of Channel Four and other uh, and other items. I do wonder though, actually, just to come in on that one, I do wonder if he'd have the same reaction now, because there are a lot more people, particularly young people, speaking Irish out and about if you know what I mean it's not like when that film was made there wasn't the kind of the the resurgence in the language so to speak but I do think that was at the cusp of it yeah and I think that yeah having TG Gower and and more Irish language broadcasting and those kind of resources and has meant that there there is, there is a resurgence now if you think about um for for young people who've grown up and have never known a world prior to TG Carr and uh, and Radio Nilfa and those kinds of things. It's it, it was a very different learning Irish was a very different experience in the in the nineteen eighties and even the early nineties and and it it, it it is much more welcome now. Yes, I do believe if there was a Yuming too, um, uh, 
uh, was it, um, yeah, you fast Ming furious or, or as, as some sort of you Ming sequel. Yes. He, they, he would find some Irish speakers. He would walk, stumble upon mm-hmm. a pop of Gaelic or right. something along those lines. Just to unpack those. Or yeah. For some, so TG Carr uh, is the, so TG four as it would, would, would be, uh, is the Irish language television, um, channel here in Ireland, which was only launched in, in the 1990s by our cur- the man who is our current president. Um, but there's also Radio Nilifa, mm. which is um, a local Dublin radio station, which is kind of somewhat in contrast to Radio Nguéltaxa, which is the state Irish language broadcaster, which is probably seen as a little bit more serious. Um, whereas Radio mm. Nilifa has, you know, it's all about contemporary music and, and contemporary culture. So it's really about that kind of living through Irish. And what's nice, some of the new articles that I've seen created on Wikipedia have been around things like that. So around advocacy groups like Mishnock and um, talking about kind of the state of, of Irish, kind of but in very contemporary terms, as opposed to this feeling of that you always have to write about the language in kind of very serious heritage, historical type terms, um, yes. which is, you know, all very worthy and important. Um, one thing that I was interested, Derek, when you were saying that you started, uh, you started kind of editing Wikipedia because you had, you know, you were researching and you were thinking about writing, writing your next book. Has editing Wikipedia and kind of that kind of workflow or that sort of state of mind changed how you approach writing? Has it, has it made it easier, harder? <laughs> I think it's, it's, I'd like to think it's kind of raised, uh, maybe uh, has made me conscious of my standards in some regards. And so if this isn't good enough for Wikipedia, why should I be writing anywhere else? <clears throat> yes, which is probably maybe no harm. I think it's, it's. I think it does, editing Wikipedia does give you a little discipline. You can, particularly with certain topics, the kind of stuff that I tend to find myself writing about, you get corrected quite very quickly. Or it's, um, you get corrected very quickly if you dare um uh, edit something that hasn't been, you know, kind of uh, triple, triple supported by with with references and so forth. So I think it's in that sense. I'm not sure if it's changed the actual the nature of my text. I think of uh, of the text itself, but it probably has made me very conscious of if I'm writing something factual, something nonfiction, to uh, to be more airtight in my reference. Interesting. I, I do notice that sometimes on Twitter you kind of um, reveal a little bit about what you've been writing about and it's it's things like when when pizza appeared in Ireland for the first time. Yes. This is the thing and and yeah, so I find sometimes I've I've been very interested more recently, I think possibly ever since for people who for people who are unfamiliar with Irish Twitter, you the idea of something coddle, which is a um a kind of a uh, broth uh, made with um poached sausages. It's um it's a traditional Dublin uh um what it's just it's I was fascinated by how in an age of kind of increased homogeneity uh, in so many things and with, with supermarkets and so forth, the idea that you can still have a regional dish and has maintained a certain regional character in Ireland. And what, what does it reveal? Where does, where does, do, does the caudal line reveal where Dublin stops and starts? Is there a, is there? It reveals that the Dubliners are wrong and <laughs> bad and should be like, you know, that, yeah. It's, For international listeners, it is, it is a stew with, with, with boiled sausages, boiled pork sausages. And critically, the sausages are not mm. browned. Um, so they're pale sausages. And this is this is the, the I think when you brown them, it becomes like a, a cassoulet or something. That's, um, but yes, the, so um, I guess I've been reading more about Ireland's food history and Ireland's food heritage, like um, the serving lasagna with coleslaw 
and the when, when pizzas were introduced and when this people stopped using um inverted commas around the word pizza uh it's it struck me as, as there is a story of um our own food culture and when you actually look into it when you look into why um why pizza took long to adapt why um when you when you realize this that this tells a story about kind of european european integration but also about the introduction of frozen food and frid- houses having fridges and things like that and on all the suburban conveniences and how how late they happened in Ireland compared to the other other parts of the world i didn't know why we still refer to like those fancy fridge freezers as american fridges i didn't realize this was seen as one of the huge differences between Ireland and america was the the convenience of a fridge of a fridge freezer and that we and this was something that was seen as so highly American. This is why when uh, when delicatessen started and you could pick up some refrigerated food and that's why people put lasagna was next to the coleslaw and that's why people decided to serve them together. Yeah, did not know. In and this delis. is the sort of thing that, that we all know doesn't appear necessarily on Wikipedia because it's that kind of very mm. um, intangible, I mean, to call it intangible heritage is probably overstating it slightly, but mm. it's the kind of thing that you, you know yeah. yourself having lived in a particular, culture or experience something firsthand but it's not something that you necessarily find a citation for and it feels very trivial in comparison to say intangible heritage as it goes up you know as as Mm -hmm. pertains to large parts of the world but at the same time i was i was recently engaged in an edit war on the uh, crisp sandwich um and uh whether or not it's an american or uh, a uk ireland invention so not having those citations it, it it can become very, you know, very kind of heated mm. uh, because there is no definitive answer because it is soft and malleable in in history. Yeah. And that's why it, it was so important for to find, like I actually found that social diarists in, in newspapers in the 70s actually gave some, they were their first people to, they would, they would notice something like a, you wouldn't get a news article about, oh, a lasagna is now available in, uh, in this shop in Dublin, but you might get like an ad in, and then maybe social diarists saying, oh yes, we were, we had a, lasagna and bird commas there recently it was very nice and um so those, those kinds of uh, things after it happens and this is it's linked in some ways to the irish language and that people contesting why if a word really comes from irish or if it's if it was added after the fact and i did find then um there was a huge there was a debate with the origin of the word crack c-r-a-i-c as it's spelt in irish and and there was a widespread view that this was invented in the early '90s to uh, to sell kind of um, Ireland as a fun destination instead of a uh, an intensely religious country. And that's, I mean, there, that may have been a motive, but if they were definitely existed prior to that. And and then you find yes, some people say no, I never heard of it from 1990s. Well, you you didn't hear a lot of things, mate. It's just, again, yeah, anecdote does not equal data. Also, is the other side of that. This yeah. is the thing, and that's why I suppose it felt that it was it was great to actually when you, when you go back and you look into these um, this these food heritage things because at what point you say where where is a local area where where, where does where do blads start it stop exactly at, at the end, edge of Waterford mm. or does Coddle stop? There's a, there is a house, which is the last house to serve Calder in Dublin. That is the border between uh, rural Ireland and the city. Do you feel very sorry for our interpreters with probably uninterpretable words <laughs> like Calder, <laughs> blah, uh, not B-L-A-A, mm. um, and, and a crisp sandwich? Because obviously a crisp is not a crisp everywhere uh, in the world. Some places mm. it's a chip. This is the thing. A, a crisp is not and a chip and a potato chip. Yeah. There's not, but like, 
do people have potato chip sandwiches in America today? That that is a question that is, I would imagine, just as fraught as the crisp sandwich yeah. mm-hmm. uh, debate. But it's it's interesting, and that's mm-hmm. one of the things where I suppose that's the difference between our a, mon- a minority or a small language Wikipedia, where to a certain extent, if we write the article on a crisp sandwich in Irish we can kind of center it within that language and perhaps center it yeah. within that experience. But when you're talking about, um, you're talking about the, uh, the English language, then you're having to deal with the whole Anglophone world. And then also the experiences of other languages as they manifest in English then as well. Yes. Um, yeah. So trying to kind of marry, the, there's, got, there's a, there's, I suppose there's a niceness to the kind of small community language Wikipedia that allows for perhaps a little bit more kind mm-hmm. of cohesion or something um, around certain topics. Mm-hmm. And assume knowledge. I think we, it's, it's very hard to find the, the point of assume knowledge in an article. Uh, if you think that if you're going to write an article about um, John Charles McQuaid and how much assume knowledge about mm-hmm. Irish Catholicism do you bring and how much do you just say, well, actually, you know, you could reasonably expect a, um, a person who's never been on the before to pick it up because if I was going to like, similarly just stumble upon an article about a, um, a major kind of theological figure in another country and I would have no some knowledge I would like to think that Wikipedia would be able to cater for me. That's a, that's, a, some, that's a topic we've never and it's probably a massive one and we might have to have you back on mm-hmm. to talk about but yeah assumed knowledge is mm-hmm. yeah and, and as Jan is saying like systematic bias um, that if you're translating and I think this is a really interesting point for small language Wikipedias mm-hmm. The, the kind of the, the chasing of translating from a dominant language, say like English or French um, or Portuguese or Spanish into another language, Wikipedia can import all of those things in with it. And I, yeah, I think it's something that the Wikipedia community, not that they just, not that they discourage translations, but perhaps it's not seen as the most effective way to build an encyclopedia. Yeah. I do sometimes from I, from my limited French and German from school. I sometimes look at how articles in Ireland and, and articles about Irish related topics in those languages. And I think that the French uh, the French article on uh, on Cork has a lot of uh, a, um, kind of a pokes a lot of fun at the Munster rugby team and the Cork accent in ways which were, which I wasn't expected to see. And they, none, these things don't get mentioned at all in German in the German article at Cork. But it's um, it is interesting because obviously, I mean the the France Cork connection is going to will inevitably I mean Munster rugby is going to be always going to be a huge part of that. And whereas it wouldn't be that that wouldn't be the first thing a German person would think of when they think of Cork or a Swedish person would think of when they think of Cork. That's really interesting. Do you have anything there, Fanula? I wonder what the Wikipedia uh, 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 sorry the Wikipedia article on Thierry Henry might say. Um, <laughs> just, yeah, yeah, that's. I'm going to that's, check that. Yes, now. that's <laughs> yeah, yeah. the theory on re in in Ireland is kind of our version of of, of don't mention the war. Uh, I think sometimes um, yeah. Irish football players. We are we are yes. coming up to time, um, and I wanted to just um, I don't I don't want to wind us up too quickly, but at the same time, don't want to get cut off unceremoniously. <laughs> As it, mm. as uh, as happens yes. with these things, but I really wanted to thank you, Derek, so much for for all of your support over the years. Um, you have allowed me to be the curator of the Motherfuck Lore uh, Twitter account over the years, which has a massive uh, following, um, and to tweet, both myself and Claire have tweeted about Wikipedia and, and Wikipedia editing um, over the years. So th- thank you very much for that. Was there anything kind of you wanted to, My to say to kind of conclude? No, just to uh, congratulate you on the continued success of the world of Wikipedia. I can't wait to get stuck back in and uh, see what you have next. Fantastic. Do you want to take us out, Fanula? 
Yes, and that was The World According to Wikipedia. Join us again in two weeks. You can subscribe to us on your podcast player of choice. Follow us on Twitter at world underscore Wikipedia. Thanks to Patricia O'Flaherty for our artwork and Headstuff for production assistance. Go to headstuffpodcast.com for show notes, more information and to support the Headstuff Plus network. And you can sign up there to become a supporter if you want to. You know, if you're listening and you feel that you want to support us more, you can go to headstuffplus.com and support us there or headstuffpodcast.com support us there. And if you've been intrigued by... um by some of the Irish culture that has been mentioned. There are plenty uh, of other podcasts on that network. One particular, um, and the name has fallen out of my head right now, but does it's all about food. Spice bags. It's all about food in Ireland. Spice mm. bags. So yes, look up the phenomena of the spice bag yeah. uh, as well, if we've piqued your interest. But thank you so much for, for joining us today. Really appreciate it. We know we're, we're a little bit kind of... A little bit different in the Wikimania setup this this year, but uh, thank you all for joining us and for all of your comments. We really appreciate it. Thank you so much. Thank you. Sloan thank you. from Ireland. Sloan. is part of the Headstuff Podcast Network, a hub for the creative and the curious. Shows are produced in association with Headstuff and the Podcast Studios Dublin. Find out more or become a member at headstuffpodcasts.com.